How's it going, everybody? Jay Sannon here, your host for another exciting edition of the GBI Show. That's right. It is Gridiron Betting Insights once again here on ATS. Of course, this week, a very exciting week here in the NFL, week 15. It is a week that could be a bit of a minefield for NFL betters, NFL handicappers, because of, of course, all of the COVID-19 situations developing in the NFL, we will try and keep you updated on as many of those as we can here throughout the show. Of course, we will break down all 16 games of the NFL schedule for this week. No more bye weeks. We've got 16 game weeks for the final four weeks of the season, which means, of course, we will be breaking down all 64 games in the final four weeks of this NFL campaign. And of course, we got to get some Urban Meyer jokes in after he was let go from the Jacksonville Jaguars this week. Of course, that news coming out late Wednesday night. I was asleep. I woke up Thursday morning to the news that Urban Meyer had been let go. We will get to all of that in just a little bit. But first, a reminder Check out Caesars Sportsbook, ladies and gentlemen. Use promo code GBI bonus at the bottom of your screen, or if you are listening on the podcast and do not have a screen to look at, it is once again GBI bonus at Caesars Sportsbook. That is the promo code. Get a match bet on your first wager up to a thousand and one dollars. Win or lose, get an extra thousand and one dollars in your account at Caesars using promo code. GBI bonus. Of course, don't forget to download the ATS app as well. All of the statistics, betting information you need to become a better sports better. You can track your picks there as well to see what's working for you, what isn't. Use that information to your advantage. That is the ATS app on the Apple App Store or wherever you get your mobile apps. Now, without any further ado, Urban Meyer jokes, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to roast Urban Meyer, who is no longer an NFL head coach. Of course, the GBI show this season, it has outlasted Urban Meyer as it is making it into week 15, something that Urban Meyer, of course, cannot quite say about his coaching tenure in Jacksonville. And it's interesting, right? Because after these firings, there's always a lot of discourse about, you know, did these guys deserve to be fired? Did they not? It was like super unanimous that Urban Meyer did not deserve to be there. Of course, there were stories about him kicking Josh Lambeau, his team's kicker, in the legs uh, while he was doing stretches. There were stories about him saying that he had a better coaching staff than the one in Jacksonville while he was at Bowling Green. Forget Ohio State, forget Florida. He said Bowling Green for uh, as big an insult as humanly possible. And uh, the Meyer family has kind of weighed in on the situation here involving Urban Meyer with uh, Urban Meyer's daughter posting on Instagram that the world does not want to see good people win. That was her response to the firing of Urban Meyer. And I thought about it and I said to myself, you know, she's right. Because when I think of good people in this world, I think of people that kick their kicker in the legs. That is uh, the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of good people. Interesting strategy, by the way, uh, to kick your kicker in the legs. Uh, as, uh, as Bo says, let's go to work. Thank you, Bo, for checking in. Big supporter of the show, Bo Dunn. I appreciate everything that he has had to say positively about the program, and we'll hopefully pick some winners here for you tonight, Bo. But again, an interesting strategy on the part of Urban Meyer, right, to kick your kicker in the legs. When you think about it, 
the part of a kicker that is the most important would be his legs because that's what you kick with. So for Urban Meyer to just start throwing feet at his kicker's legs shows not only that he's, you know, maybe a mean-spirited guy, he might not have the greatest understanding of personnel out there among NFL head coaches this season because, again, your kicker needs his legs to kick. So, uh, you know, not great from Urban Meyer there. Urban Meyer, by the way, a man who apparently such a bad guy that he managed to take the headlines away from the coronavirus in terms of negative headlines. That's how bad a guy he was this season. Unfortunate what happened there in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. Um, you know, I'm, I'm taken back to a couple of weeks ago where I said jokingly, we should move the Jaguars to London. We had a podcast listener get really mad about this, left us a one-star review and wrote like an essay about how Urban, you know, how about the Jaguars, Urban Meyer was new, Trevor Lawrence was new. It was very rude of me to suggest that the Jaguars should be moved to London. And to be clear, of course, I was joking about that. But ever since that guy got really upset about that, I think his name was Eric, I've been proven right by the Jaguars organization ever since. All this Urban Meyer stuff came out. They continue to lose football games. Just a disaster there in Jacksonville. And, you know, I guess I was right. And from here, I guess you have to wonder who the replacement for Urban Meyer is going to be. And you have to wonder who's going to want to take that job in Jacksonville, right? Clearly some cultural issues to overcome. And you might argue that this is the second worst job in all of pro sports right now. And of course, you'd ask me, well, you know, what's the worst job in all of pro sports right now? That's a very easy answer. The answer to that is Zion Williamson's dietitian. Yeah, that is the worst job in sports. Jacksonville Jaguars, second, as far as I'm concerned. But Urban Meyer, just an awful situation, man. You're kicking your kicker. Uh, one of the funniest things to come out of the NFL season. The fact that that might be more embarrassing than his post-game grope session at a steakhouse in Ohio speaks to just what a bad year it has been for both Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Will be interesting to see, of course, who they do bring in to coach Trevor Lawrence and the rest of that team in the future. But that's not nearly as funny. We're going to stick to the jokes pertaining to Urban Meyer, at least at this point in time. We can worry about the coaching stuff uh, as the offseason approaches. With that, let's get into some football betting, because I'm assuming that's the reason why most of you are here. You're not here to see my stand-up act uh, about Urban Meyer. I appreciate everybody for bearing with me with that. I could not resist as uh, Urban Meyer was let go last night. But let's get into the football betting stuff. 16 games to talk about here on the Week 15 schedule in the NFL. And let's start with Thursday Night Football. Chiefs-Chargers, really good game here on Thursday night. Chiefs, three, three-and-a-half-point favorites, total 52. And before I get too deep into this game, I do want to say uh, probably a good idea to take these point spreads with a grain of salt. I apologize if some of them have moved or been taken off the board since I've compiled all my information here on Thursday afternoon. As, uh, you know, the COVID situations are evolving, numbers are changing as a result of that. Um, I mean, goodness, I, you know, I posted half of the week's NFL game previews on ATS.io on Monday. And uh, back on Monday, the Browns were a six-point favorite. And uh, that has changed significantly, to say the least. We'll talk about them and everybody else coming up. But I'm just... Ahead of time, please don't get upset if the numbers have moved. I'm not trying to be a Matt Zilbert here and, uh, you know, give you a bunch of stale numbers. But if things have changed because of COVID situations, I do apologize. 
Anyway, Chiefs Chargers, Chiefs, three, three and a half point favorites. Total 52 here on Thursday Night Football. And both of these teams coming off a of really nice wins last week against opponents that certainly did not bring their best last week, right? You had the Chiefs, they just whooped up on the Las Vegas Raiders. It was 48 to 9 last week. You had the Chargers uh, crush the Giants 37 21 a game. That wasn't even as close as the final score indicates. We'll talk about that one a little later when we talk about Giants-Cowboys. But this is a game that is very significant. It's a game where the Chiefs, they can pick up their seventh straight win. And more importantly, they can really lock up the division if they come away with a victory in this game. The Chargers, meanwhile, they're fighting for the division still. They're fighting for the postseason still. There is a lot on the line for both of these teams. And I guess the question here is, do the Chiefs continue to play well defensively as they have the last few weeks, right? All season long, the Chiefs defense has been a disaster. They've been near the bottom of the league in yards per play allowed, as we have comprehensively documented over the course of this season. But over the last three games, they are allowing under five yards of play. They are tied for fourth in the NFL in yards per play allowed during that stretch. And I think it's really interesting because we've seen not only is the defense improved, but in some cases the offense has improved with it. A lot of that has come against the Las Vegas Raiders, but I do think it's really interesting to note the fact that the Chiefs playing better on both sides of the ball, the wins are starting to come. And of course it's funny because we mentioned a few weeks ago how, oh, the Chiefs need to win out in order for our uh, under 12 and a half wins season win total not to come in. And uh, it's starting to get a little sweaty now. we got four weeks to go, and I'm starting to get a little worried that the Chiefs might actually run the table here. On the other side, the Chargers put together a couple of nice performances in a row here, right? They played really well against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now they play really well against the New York Giants. Granted, the Giants were super depleted on the offensive side of the ball, but it's something that certainly cannot be overlooked as Justin Herbert Hadn't been great for most of the season, but they're putting up a lot of points these last couple of games. Maybe they're starting to turn things around. I think this is a really interesting game on both sides. I would lean super slightly to the Chargers at home in this game. I am curious as to what the home field advantage is going to be like. I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of Chiefs noise in that building. Maybe the fact that it's a weekday game instead of a Sunday game mitigates that a little bit. But you always have to worry when you back the Chargers that it's going to feel like a home game for the other team there in Los Angeles. And that's kind of a concern on my part. Um, some injuries on both sides here. Derwin James, questionable. Asante Samuel is as well. Austin Eckler, questionable for the Chargers. And right now, with the way the Chiefs are playing, you kind of can't afford to be missing important guys like that. So it'll be interesting to see who does and does not suit up as we get closer to game time. Uh, on the Chiefs side, defensively, some pretty key injuries. Chris Jones, Legereus Sneed not suiting up for this one on the Kansas City side. And against an offense that is pretty decent passing the ball on their day, I think that could be a problem for the Chiefs. Like I said, I lean slightly toward the Chargers here, who are better on both sides of the ball in terms of yards per play all season long. But I am a little concerned with how the defense of the Chiefs has picked things up maybe they might be able to slow Justin Herbert down. I think this is a really close game either way, and I think it's going to be one of the more entertaining Thursday night contests that we see all season. 
Now, this is normally the part of the GBI show where I say, okay, that's Thursday Night Football. Let's move on to the Sunday slate. That is not the case this week because, ladies and gentlemen, we have Saturday football once again in the NFL. I love this part of the year where you get the Saturday games on top of the Sunday stuff. Just super exciting. And uh, I think that we have a couple of pretty good or at least pretty interesting games on the Saturday slate here. And we are going to start with one of these COVID games, man. Who knows where the line ends up by the time we have kickoff. Raiders-Browns. Raiders, a minus one-and-a-half-point favorite, or I guess just a a one-and-a-half-point favorite if you want to talk like you actually know what you're talking about, and the total 38-and-a-half. This was a game, as I mentioned before, where the Browns were six-point favorites on Monday. And I thought, hey, Baker Mayfield's starting to play better, laying the six against this disastrous Raiders defense over the last few weeks. Not a bad idea. Well, if you did that, I'm very sorry because Baker Mayfield is now out on the COVID list. Jarvis Landry on the COVID list. Uh, Kareem Hunt's just not going to play. He's injured, which is unfortunate. Uh, Obviously, you hope everybody, you hope the COVID guys feel better. You hope that the injured guys feel, you hope everybody gets better. But it's just the Browns getting it from all angles here. Uh, And now the Raiders, of course, favored in this game where they were close to a touchdown underdog before all those COVID news bites dropped. This is a Raiders team, by the way, not 100% healthy themselves. Darren Waller, still questionable. He's missed a ton of action lately. Uh, You've got questionables in Denzel Perryman, Carl Nassib, Trayvon Mullen. Not great situations on either side here, but, I mean, huge line movement in favor of the Raiders because of the fact that Baker Mayfield's not going to play. Came out earlier today that Case Keenum has also tested positive for COVID, so the backup quarterback for the Browns not going to play. Right now it is looking like Nick Mullins is going to be the starting quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And it's interesting because there are a couple of schools of thought on this. One, I mean, Case Keenum did help deliver a win. It was a low-scoring game against the Broncos, but he did help deliver a win for the Browns earlier this season on Thursday Night Football. With that said, Mullins has been admirable at times as a backup quarterback during his time in San Francisco. And you kind of start to debate, you know, Keenum Mullins, is there really a big drop-off there? But to me, the larger question, is there that big of a drop-off between Baker Mayfield and either of these guys? Or is the more than seven points of line movement associated with all this stuff an overreaction? And I think on the quarterback side of things, that it definitely is an overreaction. I don't, Baker Mayfield just hasn't been that good this season. He looked good for part of the game last week against the Ravens, which... By the way, if you bet the Browns, I mean, RIP, that back door was unbelievably unfortunate. They were dominating the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is knocked out injured. And all of a sudden, the Browns offense ground to a halt. Tyler Huntley leads a multi-possession backdoor situation for the Ravens. I mean, thoughts and prayers if you had the Cleveland Browns uh, last week against the spread and you laid those points. But I think the larger point is, Baker Mayfield, even in that game when he did play well for the most part, he didn't play four full quarters of good football. He just didn't. And Nick Mullins isn't going to blow the doors off of anybody, but I don't think he's going to be demonstrably worse than Baker Mayfield's been for much of this season. The concerns, of course, for the Browns do go beyond Baker Mayfield for this game. You've got some offensive line troubles. You've got Austin Hooper, Jarvis Landry on the COVID list as well. So it is certainly not isolated to Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum here. 
but I still think that this much line movement might be a bit of an overreaction against the Raiders team, by the way, one and five, both straight up and against the spread over the last six games. And, you know, you look at their defense over the last three games, allowing six yards of play on defense tied for last in the NFL over that time frame. the Green Bay Packers, the other team allowing six yards of play defensively over the last three weeks. But you have to remember the Packers have actually been winning football games, unlike the Las Vegas Raiders. I would lean the Browns here as a slight underdog. You know, it might sound a little crazy with all the COVID stuff going on. I don't think I feel strongly enough to bet anything right now in the NFL with all the COVID situations. Uh, there are calls from the players union to delay the season by a week. I mean, you know, who knows where we're going to end up. I could be posting table tennis previews on ATS.io next week for all I know with the way things are going, both in the NFL and the NBA pertaining to COVID-19, college basketball as well. But I would lean slightly toward the Cleveland Browns here. Listen, the Raiders have not done enough lately to prove to me that they can win as a slight favorite, uh, especially on the road, even with all the COVID stuff. I'm with my guy Bo Dunn here. This game, unbettable as far as I'm concerned. I do not disagree with that take one bit. So let's move on here. Saturday football, one more Saturday game to look forward to. And it is going to be, again, another good one. They really nailed it with this Saturday schedule, even with the Browns COVID situation. We're talking Patriots and Colts up next here on the GBI show. Patriots, two and a half point dogs on the road. Total of 46. Patriots coming off the bye. Colts coming off the bye as well. So we're going to see two well-rested teams. Of course, the last time we saw the Patriots was that memorable three-pass attempt game for Mac Jones. Uh, They won in the high winds in Orchard Park against the Bills. Kudos to them for doing that. Huge for the AFC East race. And, of course, the Colts, uh, their last time out, uh, well, I mean, they've been playing pretty well in their own right. But here's what I think of this game. I think that you have a situation where both of these teams playing well defensively. I love the Colts running game right now. I think that is the deciding factor in this contest. I Both of these teams allowing under five yards of play their last three games, both in the top five in the NFL in that regard. I think the difference in this game is the fact you can rely on the Colts running game more than you can any other unit, right? Patriots defense going to try and make the Colts play a lot of predictable third and long situations where Carson Wentz is going to have to air it out. But this is not a Colts team that has to throw the ball deep in order to be successful. Bill Belichick at his best when he's taking away receiving options from the opposing team. This is a Colts team that doesn't prioritize its receiving options one bit. I think that is significant here. I also think significant is the fact that Carson Wentz just hasn't been turning the ball over this season. Now, you look at Carson Wentz, he's thrown five interceptions. He's been really good at not ruining games for the Colts the way that he did for the Eagles during much of his career. And it's, you know, it sounds silly, right? Because Carson Wentz and turnovers, it's like, uh, you know, those ink blot tests that a psychiatrist will give you. I mean, I have no personal experience with them, but, you know, if you've ever seen a movie where somebody's at a psychiatrist just looking at the ink blot test, if I saw like the word turnovers and the ink blots, I would say Carson Wentz or vice versa. That hasn't been the case this year. Carson Wentz has done a really nice job of not turning the football over, and I think that is going to be, again, significant against a team in the Patriots that really preys on quarterbacks who turn the ball over. As long as he does not revert to the old Carson Wentz or the one that we saw against Tennessee uh, a few weeks ago back at home, I think that the Colts could be in good shape here. Mac Jones, 
He's been fine, but I think this is a game where he needs to be better than fine, and I'm not so sure that we get that. I think it's a slight favorite, right? I mean, it's kind of human nature. You look at that line and you say, oh, man, the Patriots as an underdog. i got to smash that against Carson Wentz. There's a reason that the Colts are favored in this game, in my opinion, and I do lean toward them getting the win and covering the number, winning by at least a field goal in that game. So we're through Thursday. We're through Saturday. It is time to break down the NFL Sunday slate here on the Gridiron Betting Insights Show. And we will start Sunday with Cowboys-Giants. The Cowboys 11-point favorites against the Giants, total 44-and-a-half. And a lot of injury questions, again, for the Giants. Daniel Jones is not certain to play. Saquon Barkley also questionable for the Giants. Of course, not unscathed are the Dallas Cowboys. Tyron Smith expected to miss this game. Tony Pollard is questionable for the Dallas Cowboys. And, I mean, the question here for me is, even if Daniel Jones plays, is that going to be enough for the New York Giants to be competitive in this contest? You look at the Dallas Cowboys. They have scored 27 or more points in each of their last three games. If they get anywhere near that this week, I don't think that the Giants can touch them. I think that the Giants are a team that will max out around 14 to 17 points based on the way they're playing, whether that's Daniel Jones or Mike Glennon at quarterback. And the reason I say whether it's Jones or Glennon, you look at Daniel Jones' performance this season. You look at his yards per pass attempt. He is very comparable to a few names that I'm going to give you here that'll give you some real pause about believing in Daniel Jones long-term in New York. He is comparable. He's right there in yards per attempt with Davis Mills, Jared Goff, and Sam Darnold. Have you heard one good thing about either of those, any of those three quarterbacks? No, you haven't. And the only reason you hear anything good about Daniel Jones is that he plays for a major market in New York because his play on the field has simply not warranted any real praise so far this season, in my opinion. The Cowboys just simply better on both sides of the ball right now. Their defense has stepped up pretty nicely as well compared to what it was last year, especially. I think that the Cowboys would be the play here. A little concerned about laying double figures on the road in division, so it's probably not something I'm going to jump to play. But I do think that the Cowboys would be the best play in this game. If you were skittish on a side, I think the under would probably be the way to go against citing the offensive woes of the New York Giants so far this season. So let's get right down to it now. Okay, we've, we've gotten you some appetizers here. It is time for the main course, folks. And of course, I'm talking about Texans, Jaguars, the toilet bowl here in the 2021 NFL season. Of course, huge NFL draft implications in this game beyond just the individual game. It is a situation where I am I am ready to watch this game. I am going to ditch red zone. I'm going to watch this game because of how bad I think it's going to be on both sides. Both teams coming off of 20-point losses last week. The Texans, they lost by 20 to the Seattle Seahawks. They played a pretty competitive first half, but uh, they did end up losing by three scores there. And the Jaguars, of course, losing 20 to nothing to the Tennessee Titans last week. These two offenses, abominable over the last few weeks. Over their last three games, 31st and 32nd in the league, respectively, in yards per attempt. Uh, the Jaguars averaging 4.2 yards per attempt. The Houston Texans, four yards per play 
on offense in their last three games. That is simply not going to get it done at the professional level. But, of course, it could get it done at the semi-professional level during Texans-Jaguars. I think the real question in this game is what is the line on some cell phone video coming out of Urban Meyer getting a little handsy while watching this game at one of his restaurants? I would like to set the line at minus 500 for that. As far as the game itself, it's going to be an absolutely abysmal display. You'll look at the two quarterbacks in this game, Davis Mills and Trevor Lawrence. Now, to be fair, Trevor Lawrence has cut down on the turnovers in recent weeks, but you'll look at their yards per attempt this season. Mills, 6.4. Trevor Lawrence, 5.9 yards per attempt. A little troubling that the number one overall pick is uh, behind Davis Mills in yards per pass attempt, but that's another story for another day. Uh, for some context on how those numbers are are doing relative to other quarterbacks, uh, Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers' backup, who he played in a couple of games and did not play particularly well, especially in his one start against the Kansas City Chiefs, where the Packers scored just seven points. Uh, he is averaging 6.3 yards per pass attempt this season, so a little bit better than Trevor Lawrence, just a tiny bit worse than Davis Mills. But either way, both of these offenses abominable. For that reason, I would lean toward the under in this game. Uh, we gave it out on ATS.io on the website Monday night into Tuesday morning at 40 and a half. It is now down to 39 and a half, and I do not see it eclipsing 40 again, although I could very well be wrong on that. Um, I just think that both of these offenses are just horrendous, and I do not see any reason to have any faith in them whatsoever with these two quarterbacks in play. Next up, a much better football game. Titans, one-point favorites taking on Steelers, total 43. Titans coming off of a 20-point victory last week, a shutout over the Jags. Of course, the Steelers losing 36-28 on Thursday night football to the Minnesota Vikings. Everybody made fun of uh, Chase Claypool's little celebration on a first down with the clock running during the two-minute drill that they ended up falling just short on at the end of that game. But to me, the real takeaway in that game was the fact that their defense really didn't show up in that ball game. And uh, I think that is something that could be a problem for the Steelers. The last three games, they were allowing 5.7 yards per play. That is sixth worst in the NFL. So they're certainly not giving their best. The Titans, meanwhile, they have, uh, they have improved dramatically defensively over the last few games, allowing 4.5 yards per play over a full yard better than the Steelers over that time frame. And it's a game where I don't feel particularly compelled to bet the Titans on the road in this spot. And the line seems super fishy. Tennessee playing better football right now than the Steelers, especially on defense. But I still think the fact that you're so banged up on offense for the Titans combined with that fishy line, I would lean the Steelers here, if nothing else. Um, not a game I'm super keen on betting, but that would be the way that I would go in that contest if I absolutely had to make a play. Next up, Cardinals-Lions. Cardinals, 12.5-point favorites on the road, going to Ford Field, total 47.5. And, and again, another injury situation emerging for the Cardinals here. DeAndre Hopkins will again be missing time for this team. Two to four months MCL surgery. Uh, puts the rest of his season in jeopardy. That is a real problem for the Cardinals. TJ Hawkinson, by the way, he's set to miss this game 
with a hand injury. So key weapons for both quarterbacks set to miss this game. Of course, one quarterback is Kyler Murray. The other one is Jared Goff. So the importance of missing weapons, certainly a lot greater on the side with Jared Goff as the quarterback, but still significant. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, one of the best wide receivers in the recent history of the NFL. You don't have him. Your your offense is always going to look worse than it would if you had him. Both of these teams really proficient covering the number so far this season. Uh, Arizona nine and four against the spread so far this year, and the Lions eight and five against the spread on the season. Of course, the Lions failing miserably to cover last week and they got destroyed by the uh, Denver Broncos. Of course, the Cardinals failing to cover as well last week when they lost to the LA Rams at home on Monday Night Football. And that's a game that kind of reopens the door in the NFC West race. And that really turns up the importance of this game for the Arizona Cardinals, right? You win this game against the Lions like you're supposed to. You still at least maintain that one-game lead heading into the final three games of the season. We will see if they can do that. I mean, I guess the question is, you know, how much do the Cardinals really go out and give it their all in this game? Again, Coming off a big loss like that, I think we're going to see a pretty charged-up Cardinals team. But my question here really is, do we get the competitive Lions team that we have seen at home throughout the season? Uh, The Lions, they've been competitive at home this year against teams like the Ravens, the Vikings, made that big comeback against the Niners that fell just short. They have been very competitive. The numbers, of course, say the Cardinals all day in this game, but I am going to lay off it as uh, that is a big number on the road in a potential look-ahead spot as the Cardinals, they host the Colts on Saturday next week, which, you know, marquee game, prime time. I think that this is a game that's probably best to lay off of, especially with the Lions. Again, being a very competitive team on their home field. Panthers-Bills up next, I think, has the potential to be a lot less competitive despite both of those last couple games I've talked about being double-digit spreads. Panthers, 11-point dogs on the road in this game, total 44-and-a-half. And the big story coming into this game is just how bad the quarterback situation has been for the Carolina Panthers over the last few weeks. Cam Newton, ever since he's taken over as a starting quarterback, 0-3 are the Carolina Panthers. It has not been good. Uh, P.J. Walker came in briefly last game for the Panthers. That did not go well either. He turned the ball over in his brief action. And now we're talking about Sam Darnold might be a couple of ways from getting back, a couple of weeks, I should say, from getting back into the mix. None of those are good options for the Carolina Panthers. It's very sad that the Cam Newton thing has not panned out. That first week where he scored a couple of touchdowns when only playing for a couple of plays, that was a really cool story. But since then, things have just gone super south for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Carolina, by the way, 5-8 and eight against the spread this season. Only the Bears, Jaguars, and Jets are worse against the number this season than the Panthers. There are a few other teams at 5-8 and eight as well. But uh, only the Bears, Jaguars, and Jets worse than those teams against the number on the season. And this is a big game for the Bills all of a sudden. Now, they've lost back-to-back heartbreakers against contending teams, right? They played in that high-win situation against the Patriots, lost 14-10. to 10. They had multiple chances to win it late, but they simply couldn't reliably throw the ball in those wins to, uh, to get the win. 
And then, of course, last week they played Tampa Bay. They go, they go behind early, furious comeback to force overtime, and uh, then they lose it on a touchdown in overtime. And, boy, what a week last week was for underdog betters in overtimes. You had the Bengals as a home dog in overtime kick a field goal to start overtime. They lose by giving up a touchdown to the Niners. You have the Bills, three-and-a-half-point dogs. You figure just give up a field goal, everything's going to be fine. They give up a huge chunk play in overtime for a touchdown to not cover the spread against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, again, just like RIP if you had the Browns, RIP if you had underdogs in overtime last week in the NFL. But two straight heartbreaking losses for the Bills. All of a sudden, this game takes on a lot of importance. I think we see a really focused Bills team whose defense is excellent, by the way. I think they are going to really shut down Cam Newton, P.J. Walker, Sam Darnold, Matt Barkley, Charles Barkley, whoever the quarterback may be for the Carolina Panthers in that ball game. I would lean toward the Bills covering the spread in that game. So that's halftime here on the GBI show, folks. We have made it through the first half of the NFL Week 15 schedule. And, uh, well, again, we made it further this week than Urban Meyer. So that's a pretty big win in my book. Of course, at halftime, I want to remind you to check out Caesars Sportsbook. Use promo code GBI bonus for a matched bet of up to $1,001 on your first wager at Caesars Sportsbook. Again, that promo code is GBI bonus. And before we get to the second half, before we get to half number two of the GBI show, I just I want to take a quick second to thank everybody who is supporting the show. It does not go unnoticed, and I do appreciate everybody who has watched the show, shared the show, or otherwise supported the show in some way. Uh, we would not be here without you. And I wanted to thank you for that before we get into the second half of the show. So let's get right into it. Jets Dolphins to get the second half of the GBI show underway. The Jets nine and a half point underdogs on the road, total 41. This was a game where the Dolphins were there around eight point favorites early in the week. That number has since ballooned to the current nine and a half. And it's a game where we gave this game out on Monday. And you know what? Sometimes you get the good closing line value. Sometimes you don't in the NFL. And this was a case where we had it. Uh, we gave out the over on 43. The number is down to 41. So uh, you can get a better number on the over than I did. But I think that this is a game where the loss of Jalen Waddell due to the COVID list for the Dolphins is not as significant as I think a lot of people might think, only because of how bad the New York Jets have been defensively. They have allowed 31.5 points per game in their last two games. And yes, I understand that's a small sample size, but you look at who it came against, right? Philadelphia Eagles without Jalen Hurts, it was Gardner Minshew who carved them up. You look at the next week, New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill at quarterback, and they still managed to put up 30 points against the Jets. Alvin Kamara ran wild in that game. This is a Jets team that just gets beaten a lot of ways. And I think Tua Tonga-Vailoa, even without Jalen Waddell, who, yes, is kind of his top target. It's been kind of a really nice rapport between the two of them, especially in the second half of the season when the Dolphins have really surged. Uh, I think even without him, you're going to see big games from guys like Gesicki on this Dolphins team. Of course, barring more COVID-related absences, 
in this contest. By the way, the Jets, I think they're going to help get the total there. I really do. Uh, they put up 17 the last time against the Dolphins. I think if you get a similar number there, I think we should be able to get to the over 43 or the better current number available at around 41. So that is my take on Jets and Dolphins. Next up, another East Division matchup, this time in the NFC East. Washington football team, seven-point dogs at the Eagles, total 43.5. This one, we did get a little closing line value. Very exciting. Uh, we gave out Eagles minus 4.5 in the middle of the night on Monday, heading into Tuesday. It is now a seven-point spread. Jalen Hurts expected to make his return for the Philadelphia Eagles this week. Uh, several players on the COVID list for the Washington football team. You also have Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, questionable for this contest. Should be noted, Taylor Heineke expects to play, which uh, which might be a detriment. Kyle Allen looked a lot better than Heineke last week against the Dallas Cowboys before Heineke was injured. The football team, by the way, averaging 4.4 yards per play over their last three games. And without context, that number doesn't mean much. So here is the context I will give you. Only the Jaguars and the Texans have averaged fewer yards per play over their last three games than the Washington football team. Remember earlier in the show, I said over the last three weeks, the Jaguars and Texans respectively averaging 4.2 and 4.0 yards per play over their last three games. Uh, the Washington football team, just a little bit better than both of them, but worse than everybody else, averaging 4.4 yards per play now this is a big game by the way both of these teams six and seven heading into this game which does have you in the race for a wild card spot in the nfc moving to seven and seven would be huge dropping to six and eight would be very detrimental to the playoff hopes of either of these teams so it will be interesting to see how this game goes but i would lean toward the eagles a little bit more explosive offensively and with Hertz back you get the variety the read option stuff that is very difficult to defend at this point of the season especially for a team like Washington that hasn't been great defensively to begin with next up Bengals Broncos here on the GBI show little AFC matchup here Bengals two and a half point dogs against the Broncos who host this game Total 44 and a half. And I had the Bengals struggling as of late, especially on the defensive end of things, right? We saw them get carved up by Justin Herbert and the Chargers a couple of weeks ago. They can't hold the Niners in overtime last week. They lose that game. And all of a sudden, the Bengals looking kind of iffy, whereas, I mean, you know, about a month and change, they were the number one seed in the AFC there for a while. They have certainly fallen off the map. But this is a very winnable game for them, I think. This is a game where they face a Broncos team that has a bottom five strength of victory in the NFL this season. What is strength of victory? It's the win percentage of the teams that you've beaten this year. The Broncos, strength of victory, 368 this season, fifth worst in the NFL, and it's not hard to see why. They've beaten teams like the Giants, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Lions this season. So they have certainly beaten their share of bad teams, and they haven't beaten many teams outside of that. 
these teams very close numerically this season within uh, about a third of a yard per play of one another on both sides of the ball. I think it's a game where the over is the best play. 44 and a half, again, is that total. The Bengals have not impressed me defensively so far this season. And then you look at the Broncos, you got Kareem Jackson. He's questionable. You got a bunch of other potential injury situations on that Broncos defense. I think that we see an over in this game. I think both teams get into the 20s, and then it's kind of a close game from there. Um, You hope to see Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon on the field for that to be the case. They're both questionable, no word on whether or not they're going to participate in the game, but I would lean toward the over very slightly in that game. Um, I don't think there's a great side play on either end in that contest. We'll move now to Falcons Niners, the Kyle Shanahan Bowl, as it were in the 4 p.m. window. Falcons nine and a half point dogs, total 46. And I lean very slightly toward Kyle Shanahan's old team over his current team against the spread in this game. Um, The Niners, listen, they're tied for fifth in yards per play this season. Very explosive offense. But we've seen improvement from the Atlanta Falcons in that regard over the last few weeks. Full season, they're they're 5.1 yards per play. But the last three games, 5.4. They have upped their game offensively. And again, the difference that Cordero Patterson has made in that Falcons offense, I don't think can be overstated. He made some plays again last week against the Carolina Panthers in a road win for the Falcons. And I think that, again, he's back healthy. I think that is going to make things very difficult on the Niners in this contest. Both of these teams, by the way, six and seven against the spread so far this year. But I think that, you know, the Niners, right, they won last week, but it wasn't pretty. They squeaked by, probably shouldn't have won the game at all. Meanwhile, the Falcons, they've looked a little bit more convincing of late. I'm not saying that the Atlanta Falcons go to San Francisco and win. I just don't think it's a double-digit game. I think it's a game that at most is a touchdown game. And for that reason, I think that the Atlanta Falcons are worth a look there as nine-and-a-half-point underdogs. Next up, I'm not going to say it's a possible Super Bowl preview. I don't, I don't think it rises to that level. But I do think we have a really good football game here. Packers-Ravens. Packers, a five-point favorite, total 43-and-a-half, and I would lean toward the Green Bay Packers in this game. The big reason for that, of course, Lamar Jackson, right? Suffers an ankle sprain, misses the end of the game against the Browns last week. Tyler Huntley looked very good in pioneering that miracle backdoor cover for the Ravens last week. Yeah, it was a one-possession game. They could have very well won the game during that uh, comeback. I think I'm burying the lead when I talk about the backdoor cover. But you think about what a sprained ankle is going to do to the game of Lamar Jackson, right? Him in particular. He's not a particularly proficient passer as it is. That is not his strength. If you take away even a little bit of his mobility, I think that has a serious negative impact on what he is able to do and on what the Ravens are able to do offensively. Speaking of offenses, the Packers have been off the charts offensively as of late. They are number one in the NFL in yards per play over their last three games. 
6.7 yards per play. They are also 11 and 2 against the spread on the season. The Ravens just 6 and 7 in that regard. I think this is a statement win for the Green Bay Packers. I think that this number should be closer to 7 than the current number of 5, especially with Lamar Jackson being banged up. I lean toward the Packers. Now, another big COVID situation developing in the NFL involves the Los Angeles Rams. They are four and a half point favorites at home against the Seattle Seahawks, total 45 and a half. 25 COVID names on the list for the Rams right now, I believe. If I uh, read that correctly, I believe it was my sports update on Twitter who had 25 members of the Rams on the COVID list. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's a part of that group. Von Miller is now a part of that group. Uh, it is a very strange situation heading into Sunday. And uh, it is, again, another situation where we did fortunately get a little bit of closing line value as long as nothing changes too dramatically leading up to the start of this game. On Monday, we gave out on the website 47.5 was the total at that point. We took the under. It is now 45.5. I don't mind the under there either. I'm sure it's changed with all these COVID names coming out, but I do think the under is the best play. And uh, while we're here, you've heard us talk about, oh, you know, earlier in the week we gave out this play on the website. Check out ATS.io Monday night into Tuesday. You will get half of the NFL schedule from me right then and there, at least somewhere in that neighborhood. It's not always half, but when I do feel like there are some plays worth making, I do put them out there as early as I can in hopes that you can beat the closing line maximize your chances of making a profit long term we do it in the nba as well where we post things overnight so again you have time to beat the line movement that is the name of the game we try to give that to you here at ats but as far as this game is concerned a little tough to judge right i mean with all the covid situations going on that's a problem uh the seahawks by the way not clear of the covid situations themselves as they've got Alex Collins and Tyler Lockett on the COVID list. He came Metcalf questionable for them as well. Um, you know, both of these defenses playing decent football right now, the Rams playing off the charts, allowing 4.7 yards per play over their last three games. And this is a game where we've seen it play out already. 26-17, the Rams won the first matchup. Since then, Russell Wilson has been injured. He's come back and not played very well. I think we see an under in this contest. I think the Rams defense really brings it, despite some of the names uh, on that COVID list being pretty big ones. We'll see if Aaron Donald plays. That's going to be the real question here. But, you know, Odell Beckham on the COVID list as well. The offense of the Rams is going to suffer. I think we see an under in that matchup. We'll get now to Sunday night football, Saints and Bucks, and this is a game that looked a lot better uh, earlier in the season before injuries really cast the Saints season asunder. But the Saints, eleven point underdogs in this contest, total forty six and a half. And I, listen, the Saints—they looked good last week against the Jets, but everybody's been looking good against that Jets defense. Tampa Bay, meanwhile, they beat the Buffalo Bills in overtime. Now that is a game that I will call a possible Super Bowl preview and the Bucs managed to win that game. 
Some injuries for the Saints worth paying attention to. Ryan Ramchek, Teron Armstead, Marcus Davenport, all questionable for New Orleans. Antoine Winfield, Leonard Fournette, questionable for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. These teams somewhat evenly matched defensively. They are within a tenth of a yard per play of one another on the defensive side of the ball. It is the offensive side of the ball where the huge mismatch has occurred. Tampa gaining a full yard per play more this season than the Saints. And, of course, you have to worry about Taysom Hill. Uh, Listen, the Taysom Hill thing, it's just not going to work him as a starting quarterback. You're going to beat the Jets. You're going to beat the Jets just by handing the ball to Alvin Kamara a lot. But you're not going to beat the Buccaneers with Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback, especially on the road at night. It's just not going to happen. My numbers, of course, lean toward the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which it's something I tend not to like to do, laying double figures in a division night game. I don't think that's a real recipe for success if you do it a lot. But I think in this case, a gimmick quarterback taking on Tom Brady, injuries all over for the Saints. I do think that the the, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be the team to cover the spread. Now, a lot of great games we just went over and a lot of not-so-good games. And it's real disappointing to me that this week ends with Monday Night Football between the Vikings and the Bears. we got to stop putting the Bears on in prime time. They did play an entertaining half last week against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. But overall, we got to do better than Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football featuring the Chicago Bears. I don't care if it's a big media market. I feel the same way about New York. I'm a New York sports fan, and I feel that way about New York teams. So it is not an anti-Chicago thing. It is simply an anti-bad team in primetime thing. Uh, Vikings-Bears, Vikings three-and-a-half-point favorites, total 44. And I I don't have real strong convictions on either side of the game or either side of the total. I just don't feel particularly strongly about it. I think that the Vikings – Better offensively, especially over the last few weeks. They're second in the NFL in yards per play over their last three games. The Bears, of course, down near the bottom of the league in every offensive category this season. But they did show a little spark in the first half against the Packers. Can they replicate that this week? I don't think they have what it takes to do it over a sustained period of time. I just don't. But it is possible, and the Vikings are always capable of botching a game in prime time with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. You can't rule it out. They very nearly allowed the Steelers to come back from a huge deficit last week on Thursday Night Football. So uh, I don't think that this is a game that is worth getting involved in. But, uh, you know, if you're, hey, listen, if you're a Midwesterner, maybe you feel better about this game than I do, and I certainly can't take that away from anybody. Ladies and gentlemen, that is your look at week 15 of the NFL season here on the GBI show. We covered all 16 games. We made fun of Urban Meyer, and you know, we had a little bit of laughs in the, uh, in, the, in the process. And I appreciate everybody for tuning in. I appreciate Bo for weighing in during the show. I appreciate everybody who shared it, who, uh, who has been a part of the GBI show experience here on Thursday or whenever you are watching or listening on YouTube, Twitter, on the podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, of course, don't forget to download the ATS app. Don't forget to use promo code GBI bonus at Caesars Sportsbook. Get a thousand and one free dollars after placing your first bet on the site. And of course, don't forget next week, 
week 16, the GVI show will be there to break it all down for you. We cannot wait to do that. Until next time, Jay Sandin saying, see you later. Good luck on all your NFL bets this weekend. Thank you for tuning in to the GBI show.